and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm good. All right. We got stuff to do. But how are you? I'm doing fine. Oh, I thought you were a little sad. I'm a little down. You're a little down. So here's the thing. Before we get to the actual topic of the episode, before we get to our precious sponsor, <laughs> I did want to take a moment <laughs> to, uh, to uh, lament something. And it will actually take a much deeper turn than uh, one would think. So uh, I lived in Springfield, Missouri for a while and not really that long. Yeah. And also not really Springfield. Sorry. Yes. The Springfield area. Pardon me. Uh, but I you in lived Nixa, in Nixa where Jason Bourne is from. Home of Jason Bourne. Were you, so you didn't, I, I would love to go back to opening night of the Bourne supremacy and be at this theater. Oh yeah. When no one knows that, that, that Joan Allen's about to say that Jason Bourne is real name is David something. Yeah. And that he's from, he was from Nixa, Missouri. What do you think the reaction was in the room? It must. Do you think it was I'm, hoots and howlers, or do you think people were like stunned? Stunned. How could it not be? <laughs> I saw it on, and then probably saw, a murmur. Probably, yeah. Oh, I saw God, it on I DVD it. Um, with some friends. I saw it in Florida. We were in Nixa, uh-huh. and I'm watching. I'm like, Wait, what? 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 Wait. What? So, how is it possible that you didn't know? Hmm. By the time it came out on DVD, you didn't know. Oh, hang on. Is that true? Hang on. I'm pretty sure you would have known. Someone must have told you. It was probably big news in Nixa. Did I see that in... I feel I saw the last one in theaters. Maybe I did see a supremacy in theaters. Maybe I'm thinking of the Born Identity that I saw okay. on video. That one I definitely did not see in theaters. But yeah, so it, it was fairly new. And then I was talking with some friends about it afterwards. And just we were saying like... Like we we're coming up with weird theories. It's like, surely, surely it couldn't just be Nixa, Missouri. Like they, that's... Why would they do that? That makes no sense at all. <laughs> And so, so that we're, I was coming up with this theory. It's like, maybe, maybe they have like a different one in every state, you know, like wherever the film is released, they have like a different, <laughs> a different, like <laughs> obscure town so that everyone can be like, Oh my gosh. He's like, you know, it's yeah. like, Oh, born is from everywhere, you know? And then they just, and I was, and I thought like, eh, that'd be really impractical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, it, we were just so flabbergasted. You're not used to hearing anyone say Nixon, Missouri, right. Except for I'm from and left. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, but now it's the, the, is it on the sign yet? When you drive into the, no, I, no, that surprises say, me. I mean, Hey, say, if Philadelphia, Jason Bourne. if Philadelphia has a statue of Rocky, yeah, I mean, we've got, yeah, a, Oh, you should have a statue of Jason Bourne. Absolutely. Oh yeah. What would he be doing in the statue? Uh, shooting somebody probably. Okay. Have his gun drawn, you know, that kind of thing. He could be, disarming those two guards of the flashlight, those two cops of the flashlight from sure. born identity. Right. Yeah. It'd that's be a like cool a part. real, that'd be a big statue. Just like, yeah, two, yeah, two police like flying in the air and he's like in some sort of, well, and it would need to be a large enough statue to establish there in a bathroom. Like they, no, the police in, bathroom, in the park. Oh, in the park. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so then you could just have it in the park. Yeah. Yeah. This thing writes itself. I'm yeah. going to call the mayor. Um, who I think it actually might be me. I don't know. I think we all take a turn. So, uh, okay. So that's not what we're here to yeah, talk yeah. about. So I lived in the Springfield area for only a few years, but w- they were formative years, David, sure. 98 to 2001 is when I met you. Yeah. Um, and you know, during that time, and then you lived in, uh, Springfield for uh, a year. year. Yeah. And you know, being a movie guy, there's, 
there were a couple theaters in town, but there was really only one game in town, and that was the Werenberg Campbell 16 Cine. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I must have seen like 100 movies there in those three years, but probably more, probably significantly more. Um, and that was just, it's where I saw certain movies for the first time, you know? Um, it's probably where you, I mean, we talked about 1999 being the greatest movie year. It's probably where you saw most of the great movies of 1999. The vast majority of them, yes. It's not where you saw Fight Club. No, not where I saw Being John Malkovich. No, that's right. Um, but yeah, it's where I saw The Insider. It's where I saw American Beauty and Talented Mr. Ripley. I was in, I was visiting my girlfriend in Denver when I saw, and she and I saw Sixth Sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, and then I worked there summer of 2003 and it was just a, uh, it was, it's weird to think that it's going to be, it's, it's going to be closing in a couple months because Springfield has gotten bigger. AMC has come in. Regal has come in. Um, so bigger theaters and, you know, more popular, more successful chains have come in. And apparently the, the Campbell 16 is, is not doing well. And I find myself not even, up to par, even now, as I'm saying it, I find myself having something of an emotional reaction, uh, it's for reasons I can't totally put my finger on. So I'm going to, I gonna, can, what do you got? Uh, you moved around a lot. Movies are a sanctuary for you. Yeah. It's the place. It was like your embassy in this place where you were. That's true. Uh, a stranger. That is uh that's not far off. Um, it's often where I felt most comfortable. If I was headed there, I was excited. Uh-huh. Um, if I was leaving, I wasn't always happy, you know, but just some of my, like, and this is not the theater where we saw 15 minutes, so you don't have that uh, memory. No, no. What's the name of that theater? That, it doesn't exist anymore either. Okay. That was the Springfield 8, I believe. Okay. Um, so, and also there's just certain things. Like, there are friendships that formed, not as a function of that theater. It's not like I, I befriended any of my coworkers or anything. But, like, you know, like, friend of the show, Jason Eakin, and I, like, we became friends in 99, Mm-hmm. Went and saw a lot of movies at the Campbell 16. Like that was, that was where our friendship like solidified. You, you know? and I saw a ton of movies there when I yeah. lived there. What did, what did we see there? We you saw, we eventually saw Shadow of the Vampire there, I believe. Uh, no, I didn't see that with you. You didn't? Okay. I saw right. that with uh, Keith and Amber. Okay. You were Keith and Amber. Oh, yeah. um, but you and I saw. We saw Saving Grace there. <laughs> did we okay we saw dr t and the women there okay original kings of comedy yeah and that one that um, was a fun screening we um, see almost famous would that be right i don't Time know if I, I don't that's probably about right but i don't know if i saw it with you okay yeah but yeah and just um i saw the i saw the pledge there but not with you yeah i think that's yeah i saw it just the basically every movie I saw during those years was yeah. there. I mean, I would yeah. go to the Springfield eight. Sometimes I would go to the, the oh. palace sometimes, but like, I can tell you what's the first movie you and I saw there. Okay. What do you got? A movie that I wanted to see. And you were like, well, I want to go to the movies with you. So I guess I'll go see this movie that you want to see that you had no interest in whatsoever. An action movie starring Wesley Snipes and Michael Bean Ugh. and Maury Chaikin. Okay. Yeah. Now we're talking the art of war. Yeah. Which I enjoyed. I'm glad I we saw it. Parts of it, yeah. <laughs> that was the first movie that you and I saw at the Camel Sixteen. <laughs> and I and I and 
after that, I was like, I'm going to find a way to get revenge on David. And you know what? This whole podcast has been at revenge. <laughs> uh, it wasn't when we saw 15 minutes. That wasn't the revenge. <laughs> no, that, that hurt me. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's that, but also, you know, if I might get a little bit grander, um, Blockbuster doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Video update where I worked for two years that doesn't exist. And which also contributed quite a bit to my uh, film education. Um, that yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Video stores in general. And now this movie theater is gone. And then honestly, like Man, they say, and like Siskel and Ebert are gone. Like just, yeah, I feel now for you. Cause the saying is you can't go home again. For you, the saying is you can't go to work again. <laughs> All the places you worked aren't there anymore. <laughs> Boy, I hope, uh, the world of, uh, of uh, photo editing doesn't dry up because I kind of don't have anything else. It's a good thing I'm going back to school, you know, to get a master's in film, which will work out great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I but, look forward to that. But no, it's it really is like there are things that will will happen. Sometimes it's you know I move or somebody passes away or whatever that really makes me feel not old, but that I am getting older. Mm-hmm. And the fact that. You know, when I watched, uh, oh my gosh, Life Itself, when I watched Life Itself and it was over, I cried harder at that than I have at anything for the last, I'm going to say, 15 years. Wow. Um, because, and it just, and it was a very, I would venture to say it was a cathartic cry. Like that was a lot of stuff being held up. And it was just like really like mourning who I used, not who I used to be, but like just my childhood and my formative years because like, well, Ebert's gone now and Siskel had been gone for years. And then, as I said, you know, my father was gone and, you know, I, I went to go see, I went to a lot of movies at the Campbell 16 with my friend Willie. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these, I went to go to, you know, Jen and I would go to Blockbuster all the time when we were dating. That's not an option anymore. And like, and if I go back and visit my mom, I can't take a day and go to the Campbell 16, the theater where I learn to love movie where I, I'd already loved them by that time, but just like where I kind of solidified my love of movies. I can't do that anymore. And it just like, it just feels like doors are closing behind me and not because I'm burning bridges or anything to mix my metaphors. And so I've just find myself kind of in this weird, in a very strange emotional place thinking about the Campbell 16 being gone. Um, there are theaters in, in Denver where I lived much longer, uh, that have closed that haven't been that big of a deal for me because they mm-hmm. were just one of many theaters I would go to. But like there are only so like Campbell 16 was the biggest theater in the Springfield yeah. area. And for it to be gone is, in, is to me insane. Cut to an article I read today. Okay. This is news to me. Yeah. Coming to Springfield, Missouri. Alamo Draft House. So like Really? Yeah. I doubt it's in the same place cuz Alamo Draft House is not going to need 16 screens. Um but yeah. Wow. Yeah. So That's the first Missouri Alamo Draft House, right? I believe so. Uh, I I could see there being one in St. Louis, but if you don't know I was going to say it's I could not there. I was going to say I could see there being one in Columbia before Springfield. Like they're both college yeah, towns, yeah. but I think Columbia is a cooler college town. I don't know. Like Springfield has really been developing as a, as a really culture. Like they're, they developed their downtown. Like there's that, that movie theater, the Moxie downtown. Like it's really, they've really wow. been building up 
like that's where those new movie theaters are. The AMC and the Regal, they're downtown. Like they're really trying to make it more of a destination. Cool. So good yeah. for Springfield. Um, but nonetheless, it's just, uh, it so, was not that when I was there, <laughs> it was not that when I was there. Um, and so it was just a, I don't know. It's a, it's an odd, it's an odd feeling, especially when I look at, cause Alamo draft house is a thing I know about now. Mm-hmm. It didn't exist when I lived there. And so now the thing that, that I, the person, the film goer I was is leaving and the film goer I am now, where I'm aware of the Alamo Draft House, even though I've never been there. I was going to say, you've never been to one. I've never been to one. No. Everyone loves them. I'm sure they're great. But I find it weird for a theater to, on the one hand, be super strict about text messaging. On the other hand, the forks and knives a fucking and plate of <laughs> like, uh, short ribs or whatever. People can be gnawing yeah. on... Uh, uh, yeah, on on chicken cordon bleu or whatever, while you're trying to watch a movie, that's okay. That's so weird to me. I don't get that, it. That is a, that is a, yeah, that is a weird line to walk. Like unless they are served on like paper plates with plastic, uh, you know, silverware. Right. Um, I guess plasticware is what you call it then. But even then, like there's still like the scratching of, of yeah, and there's plastic. still the smell of food. Yeah, like. Okay, so the no texting thing, which I'm with, sure. I'm on, on board with that, but that feels like, okay, you're preserving the pure movie-going experience, yeah. right? But if I can smell someone's fried chicken and mashed potatoes, like, yeah. isn't that just as intrusive? Like, imagine someone, you don't walk around a museum not on a turkey leg, right? <laughs> isn't that kind of the, the same situation here? Uh, sorry, I just got this image of like a Henry the Ape type just walking around <laughs> surveying his art. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's tough because I'm sure some people are like, well, I mean, we have there's already food in theaters. There's uh, popcorn and hot dogs and uh, hey, nachos and stuff. That's too much for me. Right, and I'm I'm okay with it. But at the same, that's what what I, I actually am not thrilled with nachos because those make a loud crunching sound. Right. Popcorn can, but it's not known for being crunchy. Or like not being audibly crunchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like when people open up candy, it's like, okay, this is like a cellophane wrapper and stuff like that. You know, isn't um, that why they have the boxed candy? Like, I, I think so. Yeah. Because it's like noisy. Kind of echo a little bit in the yeah. box, but Someone's no, I'm trying to shake out that last milk dud <laughs> stuck to the inside. <laughs> That's perfect. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And so, uh, I'm with you on Alamo Draft House. I'd like to go. I hear it's this wonderful experience. But it part seems of me's like, like they program good movies. They have a great yeah. relationship with uh, filmmakers. Alamo, as far as a distributor, is awesome. Yeah. Has distributed a lot of great stuff. Let me ask you this: You go to Alamo Draft House? No, you go to Alamo, Alamo Draft House. You go to hell. I'll go to Alamo <laughs> Draft House. Tell me you what go to, to hell. do. Um, but no, like if you go to Alamo Draft House, where it is, a, where it, people get food, it's assumed. Are you going to order any food? I probably won't. I don't think I I don't will. like the idea of contributing to it. I also don't like the idea of eating in a movie theater. That's true. There was... There like, I, I, I have... I have gotten popcorn before, but even then, not very often. I don't like eating popcorn if the movie theater is packed. Mm, like I, I, I get that. If there can be some space... Sure. Then I'll, like, relax a little bit, but I don't like eating when there are people next to me, essentially. Yeah. Uh, in a movie theater. Yeah, I don't think... And I'm sure, because the Elmo Draft House is coming to downtown, I'm sure I'll go see a movie sure. there. I don't think I'm going to order any food. Yeah, it's it's so weird that, like, 
you said like, I don't like eating. I was like, absolutely. And then you said popcorn. I was like, oh, that doesn't count, right? Um, it's just popcorn. It's not real food. But what I will say is there's been, there have been a couple of times where I find myself having to go to a screening at the Arclight and I have not eaten dinner beforehand and they have hot dogs there. Uh-huh. And so on a couple of occasions I've like had a hot dog while the movie is playing. I'm like, I don't like this one bit. You give me popcorn and soda mm-hmm. and that, and I'm good. But like this feels wrong. It feels like worlds colliding <laughs> the world of dinner and the world of a movie. Yeah. That's why people say, let's go to dinner and a movie. They don't say, let's go to a movie. We all know that that also means dinner, right? Like, it just... Yeah, it's a weird movement, but it's not... Because it's not just the Alamo Draft House. There's, yeah. like... There's an AMC in Marina Del Rey that, that does it. Yeah. I, I don't... I don't know. I don't get it. So, thankfully, we were able to pivot to my melancholy, sad feelings to just the standard battleship pretension just pissed off. Yeah, shitting on something that most happy. of our listeners love. Everybody's happy yeah. about it, but you and me. Yeah. Um... But you know what everyone's happy about is our sponsors. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So everybody, listen up. Because this episode is brought to you, oh boy, by the Alamo Draft House. (laughs) Oh, I wish I'd paid attention to that. I'm joking, of course. They would never sponsor us and we wouldn't take their sponsorship. Um, Um, We absolutely would. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, And and they just say like, oh, tell them what's on the menu now. I'm like, ah, damn it. Yeah. Uh, So this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Now, Mubi is focusing at the moment on the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, So if you go to BattleshipRetention.com, you will actually see along the side, there's a a new graphic that says Cannes Takeover. Yeah. Uh, So some of the films that they are showing at Mubi right now are films that uh, had a big presence at the Cannes Film Festival at some point. Uh, including, most recently, Santa Sangre, which I've never seen, uh, Sonatine, which I also have not seen, but I did see this. It's, uh, is it Olivier Assayas? Or is it I, all, okay. I say Olivier. That's kind of how I, I see it as well. Olivier Assayas is clean, starring Maggie Chung and uh, in a smaller role, Nick Nolte. Have you seen that film? No, I've seen a lot of Olivier Assayas films. I have not seen that one. It's really great. Uh, I believe she won Best Actress uh, at Cannes for the film, and it is about this woman who is uh, a drug addict and just living a, a very bad life, but she is a mother, and uh, her son is in the uh, possession of her of her um, like ex-father-in-law, played by Nick Nolte, and so it's about her trying to appeal to him trying to clean herself up and show that she is a productive member of society and that sort of thing. And it's a really, it's a really great film all around, but her performance is really heartbreaking because, because it is frustrating. You know, you see her falling into certain patterns that you're just like, Oh, I, you know, you just get so angry at her and you also recognize like, yeah, maybe she's not the safest person for this kid to be with. Um, but it's a really nice, uh, it's a really great movie. And so I highly recommend it, but that is just one of 30 mo- movies currently available at movie. And, uh, there's a special offer for listeners of battleship retention. You can try movie free for one month. Just go to movie.com. That's M U B I.com slash battleship to redeem. Now you can also click on the link at battleship And, uh, 
while you're clicking on links about ShipRetention.com, you can also click on the one for tweaked audio, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. And they look great and they sound great. And Tyler and I each use them every, uh, every day of our lives um, from here uh, to eternity. Uh, and they're available. Uh, these great, great earbuds are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, no, the offer code is pretension. You use it at checkout. Mm-hmm. The offer code is not pretension at checkout. Yeah. That is definitely very important. The offer code is pretension. Full stop. <laughs> um, that really uh, went on for a while. <laughs> uh, you get one third off that already low, low price and no shipping charges. So remember, it's tweakedaudio.com. Offer code pretension. At checkout. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Now, this is going to, uh, we're doing our yearly uh, LA Film Fest preview because yeah. um, I really. That's uh, not our preview. I'm not going. I got stuff to do. Right, that's true. I go to LA Film Fest uh, every year. This is my thir- my fourth year, I think. Yeah, my fourth year covering it um, for, the, for the, the website and the podcast. And I've come to really adore LA Film Fest because it has the name of our town <laughs> in it film fest uh, california yeah uh unlike afi fest which is the other big fest um it is actually named after the town and i love afi fest too but uh, i talked about this before they serve very different purposes afi fest is a sort of like here's a way to catch up on all the festival favorites of the year so far it's in november like mid-november it's sort of like here's what's been playing festivals um it's a lot of stuff if you pay attention, you know, to film in a, uh, in, in a geeky way, um, a lot of stuff that plays AFI film fest you've heard of and you're mm-hmm. excited to see it's from name directors or it's been building buzz o- over the months. Um, LA film fest is very different. It has a real focus on first time or not non-established, uh, directors. It has the LA muse section, which is, um, movies that take place in and around Los Angeles. And it is, um, a great place to discover movies that you might not, um, you might get on the first floor or you might not ever hear from again. Like, the, it, you know, it's kind of sad sometimes that are great movies. I remember the first year I saw, uh, a really sort of charming little, um, uh, coming of age story called my sister's quinceanera. And, uh, I loved it. Um, I'd never heard of it again. It never like came out, uh, unfortunately, but, um, it is, it's nice to be able to, uh, to see that the what that what that means though for doing a preview is I don't really have a way of knowing which of these movies are exciting or good. You know, uh, there are a few directors I've I've heard of, but um, for the most part, it, I'm just going to be talking about some stuff that I've read a little bit about. I'm not even guaranteeing that these are the movies that I'm going to end up seeing because the, as the buzz, this is the you know way things happen at festivals. Um, uh, you know, like like I experienced uh, at my first Sundance this year, like you make a schedule, but also 
you talk to people online, you find out what's good, you change your schedule and say, oh, this is showing again, you know, the next day or the day after. Uh, I'm going to rearrange my schedule to make sure I see that. So uh, I have no way of knowing if these are the movies I'm going to see. Uh, it's just, uh, uh, I thought it would be good uh, to, like we do every year, point out some of the things that sound interesting. Well, and it's fun because if you're just going by something that sounds interesting, there's kind of an equal opportunity quality to that because, yes, you might have mm-hmm. heard of some filmmakers here and there, but in the end, it's just you go and see something that sounds interesting. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's by a noted filmmaker. Maybe it's not, but it's an opportunity to see new talent and yeah. just be like, oh, I got to pay attention to this guy from now on. Yeah. Even if, even if the film doesn't necessarily go anywhere, which bums me out quite a bit. Yeah. Um, well, you got to go one of these years. Um, I don't have time for that. No, you don't have time for that. Actually, I'm, I, I might have time. <laughs> uh, this year, though, there are, um, it's now, the th- it's moved around this festival. It's been in different places because I attended it as just an attendee sometimes before I um, uh, was covering it. But in the time that I've been covering it, it's always been at the uh, LA Live Theater downtown mm-hmm. um, in next to the LA Live Complex um, by the Staples Center. Um, and that neighborhood has been, you know, um, in the 10 years, 10 plus years I've lived in Los Angeles, that neighborhood has gone from being the Staples Center and parking lots and a car wash to being a place full of hotels and bars and restaurants and stuff. So, um, I've been associating that neighborhood with the LA film fest this year. It's at the Arclight Culver city for the most part. It's a few other, uh, locations, but, um, this, this will be a different, uh, different experience. Um, given that it's the LA film fest and most of it is not taking place in Los Angeles. It's taking place in Culver city. Um, that's interesting, but that's also, uh, a great neighborhood that I, um, I'm eager to revisit because it's a neighborhood I knew well when I first moved here because I worked, um, at the Culver studios, uh, my, one of my first jobs. Um, and that was before there was an arc light there. Uh, so I'm eager to re-explore and get used to, uh, uh, Culver city and also take the silver line, which I haven't taken yet because it didn't used to yeah, exist. How new, how new is that? Uh, the silver line. Yeah. Um, a year and a half. Maybe? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I knew it was recent, but I thought it was more recent than that. Um, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, let's uh, dive in and talk about uh, some some movies. Um, this movie called 1155, directed by Ari Isler and Ben Snyder. I'm going to go alphabetically. I'm obviously not going to hit every movie, right. um, as I said. Uh, after being involved in the fatal shooting of a local drug dealer, U.S. Marine Nelson Sanchez returns to the neighborhood he fled years ago. Amid the fanfare and celebration, the brother of the deceased learns of Nelson's homecoming and vows revenge. So that's... Uh, that sounds that's, interesting. That sounds like a cool thing. And also, um, it's worth noting that the LA Film Fest has not, as far as I know, um, outwardly made made it clear that we are trying to be more diverse um but i have noticed in the years i've gone that there have been a number of stories about minorities and also a number uh uh closer to societal uh representation of gender among directors um that's something i've seen uh, a lot and i really really appreciate that so um that sounds like a cool little thriller that um so it sounds like they're really lowering standards (laughs) Yeah, that's probably how they're how they're getting that done. Yeah, I'm joking, everybody. Please know that I am joking. Uh, yeah, I, I know you're joking. Okay. Um, Beyond the Gates. This is part of the Nightfall uh, series. 
Um, I don't actually really know what that is. Uh, two estranged brothers who reunite at their missing father's video store to hey. li- liquidate the property and sell off its assets. Aww. As they dig through the store, they find a VCR board game that holds a mysterious connection to their father's disappearance and deadly consequences for anyone who plays it. Everything so about this sounds awesome and yeah. yet so very depressing. So I'm guessing the Nightfall thing is a little more genre based. I would guess so. Uh, yeah. That's where that, that sounds great. Who made that? Um, oh yeah, I'm supposed to say the names of the directors, and I already clicked away from this. It is uh, directed by Jackson Stewart. Stewart. Uh, I, that's how I say it. All right. Because <laughs> that's um, who you are. Now here's one. Every um, every LA Film Fest opens with a major premiere. You know, I think it was like Man of Steel right. uh, was there. Uh, Monsters University was there. Last year it was Inside Out. Uh, just these really small Yeah, films. I think that's yeah. something they, uh, they're they doing to, you know, get some eye, eyeballs on the, sure, sure. Uh, on the festival. Um, so this, uh, but the thing is, my press pass, there's different levels of press passes. My press pass does not get me into the opening night uh, thing, which I don't really care about this year um, that much because it's The Conjuring 2. I haven't seen The Conjuring. It's good. I hear it's good, but I want to see it before I see The Conjuring 2. Sure. Um, so I don't really have... I guess that's all I have to say about that. Um, all right, here we go. Desierto is what I'm looking forward to because it's directed by Jonas Cuaron. Of oh, the, all right. Uh, uh, it's also produced by Alfonso Cuaron. They're brothers, I guess. Okay. Um, a unique modern vision of terror. Desierto is a visceral heart, visceral heart pounding suspense thriller packed with tension from start to finish, starring Gael Garcia Bernal and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, I like that Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Uh, me too. And I Anytime feel like he's on screen, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I feel like his, um, star has risen a little bit. Um, because apparently he's been great on the good wife and it's like last oh, season. Right. Um, I, I haven't, haven't watched that, but, uh, apparently he's Let me ask you, really okay. Good. Can you read that description again? I can. Sorry. I, I know that, I know that we want to keep this short, but I just, uh, no, that's fine. I want you to, I don't want this to just be a list of movies. I want to talk okay. about this stuff. Oh, all right. So, Cause this is about to be negative. Uh, Desierto is a visceral. I keep saying visceral. Desierto is a visceral, heart-pounding suspense thriller packed with tension from start to finish, starring Gael Garcia Bernal and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I have n- that. Okay. Aside oh, there's from- more to it. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you want to know what the plot is, I can <laughs> I was tell about you. To say, like, you haven't said anything except no, yeah. there's two actors in it, and there's a, well, it has a name. Um, what begins as a hopeful journey to seek a better life becomes a harrowing and primal fight for survival when a deranged, rifle-toting vigilante, I'm guessing Jeffrey D. Morgan, stands to reason, chases a group of unarmed men and women through the treacherous U.S.-Mexican border. Why would he chain, uh, chase uh, unarmed? Oh, I bet it's like an illegal immigration thing. I think that's, yeah. My friend uh, Luis was in a movie called Mano a Mano um, that basically, (laughs) I haven't seen it. It took them a long time to shoot. Uh And Luis always commented that, like, you can see him get, like, fatter from one scene to the next. Like, just (laughs) going back and forth and back and forth. Because it's over, like, four years. Um, But... uh, but yeah, he said it's very clear that they just basically, they wanted to make this little thriller in the desert. And then over the course of them making it, illegal immigration became like a big, I mean, it's been a big issue for like, you know, 10, 15 years, but like mm-hmm. it became a really hot button issue. And so just like they waited it out. <laughs> they, they they made a movie that became really relevant, but they did not, 
when they started it, they didn't care about the issue at all. They just thought like, oh, this is, you know, it can be cheap to shoot in the desert. What can we do here? Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so I still have not seen Mono a Mono. From what I hear, not great. Oh, that's too bad. So. I, w- I would not have guessed that. <laughs> I would have thought that it turned out great. There was it's one. Kind of like a boyhood type of thing. <laughs> exactly. There's one scene where, uh, uh, my friend uh, Luis was like his character's like you know sit like crouching behind a truck, and then a real life uh, you know this was not planned. A tarantula crawled over his hand, and he was like, "Oh good God!" You know, <laughs> and uh, and they're like, "Like oh, we can use that." And he goes, "Can you not, please? I'm not. I don't want to be like a little girl. I'm supposed to be tough." So it was uh, delightful. Did they end up using it? I don't know. If I had to guess, I'd say yes. Oh, Just a hunch. I'm sorry. We can move on. I apologize. No, here, well, here's a movie uh, I'm looking. F- well, I don't know if I'm looking forward to, but it's uh, from a director that we've heard of, uh, Mike Birbiglia. Oh yeah, yeah. Who made uh, Sleepwalk with Me, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't like very much. I, I did not see. Uh, but I let's hold out hope for this next one. It does have. I, I know. I say this every time Sleepwalk with Me comes up, which is thankfully not that often. But I'm always very interested in where PG-13 movies use their one fuck. Sure. Seawalk With Me has a great one okay. where he finally stands up for himself as a up-and-coming uh, road comic and insists, I'm not paying for these fucking chicken fingers. There you go. That's about right. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, but Don't Think Twice uh, has a great cast. It's, uh, in addition to Mike Birbiglia, it's Keegan-Michael Key, Gillian Jacobs, Kate Micucci, Chris Gethard, and Tammy Sager. Yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah. Uh, for 11 years, the members of the commune have reigned as big fish in the small pond of the New York improv theater world. Okay, I'm a little less interested now. No. Uh, while working menial jobs day after day to support themselves and returning home to share rundown uh, apartments. All right, I don't need to go on. Wouldn't it be uh, funny that's if, that, if that's about an improv troupe? Wouldn't it be wonderful if it was heavily scripted? Hopefully it is a very heavily scripted movie. That's what I'm hoping. Um, yeah. Because uh, I've seen a lot of TV shows and movies about writers that are not scripted. Uh, it'd be nice if they flip flop that. Yeah. Um, this is one that, that I'm, uh, I'm certain uh, probably already has distribution, um, because it's from the same people who made the documentary fed up about, uh, sugar. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one's called Dr. Feel good. Um, Dr. William Hurwitz was sentenced to 25 years in prison for drug trafficking considered by many a preeminent pain specialist. Hurwitz had no moral qualms about prescribing as many opiates as his patients needed in order to fight their chronic pain and live normal lives. Uh, so he, it's about a doctor who went to jail for over-prescribing opiates. What, can, what qualifies as an opiate? Uh, well, I guess if it comes from the uh, opium right. seed, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think like what that would... Because uh, he's, he's not saying, here, just have a bunch of opium. Like right. He's saying, like, here's some pills. Oxycontin but might be op- oh, an opiate, okay. maybe? Right. I don't know. Okay. I don't know as much about drugs as I used to. <laughs> Yeah, and I took a, I took a class about uh, it was one of the best non film classes I ever took. It was all about uh, drugs, both legal and illegal, and uh, it was very interesting. And I used to know a lot of this stuff, and now I just for, just forgot it. Um, but uh, but yeah, you should see that one and then report back. All right, opiates no, qualify noted. as this. Yes, um, this one uh, does have distribution. Um, I know because I got an email from Sony Pictures Classics about it. Uh, it's called Equity. Uh, directed by Mira Menon, starring Anna Gunn and James Purifoy. Um, with an aggressive prosecutor from her past on her heels and a strained relationship with her junior prosecutor, senior investment banker Naomi Bishop is forced to re-examine her own ambitions and the cutthroat world she loves, one where the glass ceiling is yet to be broken. 
All right, another comment real quick. I'm um, all for these comments. So, and, okay, so I, I've said some positive comments as well. Do you find yourself, okay, looking at that description, I recognize a movie's more than just its description, but do you see how you fell into doing a voice as you were talking about it, as you were doing that description? Right, like I'm selling it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I recognize the description is about selling it, but you didn't do that voice with every description. But with this one, it's like this, uh, and you probably have navigated away from it already, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. But just like, it was, it's, it's just like, oh, going to break the black glass ceiling. And yeah. Just, it seems like an issue movie. Yeah. Um, but like with a, it sounds like mano a mano where it's just like, <laughs> all right, we just want a thriller. Uh, what's, what's an issue. Um, and it just, uh, I'm sure the movie is perfectly fine, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an asshole. Maybe, but after a while, just like movies where you have to describe it in that tone in order to sell it don't interest me that much anymore <laughs> you know uh here's one that doesn't interest me a documentary there are a lot of documentaries at la film fest I but you said this one doesn't interest uh, you or no, this does? one does interest oh, okay. me it's called free cc and it's about uh krishan reed cc mcdonald who's a transgender woman who um killed a man in self-defense or she claims self-defense right. um and was um incarcerated in a men's prison um and so it's a movie about uh transgender issues that sounds like uh it's a uh, probably a lot thornier than uh equity and probably more interesting because of it right see that's what they need to do is they need to have the same guy write the descriptions for all of these and try to <laughs> try to make free cc sound like equity yeah that sounds very interesting it sounds very dangerous yeah yeah definitely um they're also showing ghostbusters hey all right they do yeah they do these series Wait, of, hang on which one uh ghostbusters the the real one. Okay. The one with the men. <laughs> <laughs> the first one. Okay. Um, they do a lot of these uh, type of uh, things. I'm actually, uh, I'm kind of down on this year's selection of um, okay. like out of competition special screenings. Like last year they showed Who Framed Roger Rabbit at Union Station. Yeah. I went to that. Two years ago they showed um, uh, Sherlock Jr. with live accompaniment at uh, in an outdoor plaza downtown yeah. this year, it's ghostbusters at fig and seventh. It's also independence day uh, so, somewhere and they're showing Shrek. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I guess independence day because downtown gets blown up. <laughs> Is that why? Cause they blow up the U uh, S bank tower, which I think was then called the library tower. Maybe it was already U S bank. Yeah. Then. But when people think of like the, like the big explosions in, Independence Day, they think of like the White House. Like that is not a film right. that I associate with Los Angeles. And Ghostbusters certainly isn't. Definitely. Ghostbusters is a very New York movie. Yeah. yeah that's weird. And <clears throat> Shrek, to my knowledge, does not take place in Los Angeles. Uh, no. No. But, uh, Maybe like a fantasy version. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that seems really half-assed. Uh, yeah. I just, I mean, it seems like it's, there's a new Ghostbusters out this summer. Yeah. There's a new Independence Day out this summer. I don't know what's going on with Shrek. Everyone uh, likes Shrek. I don't know what the what uh, Donkey and Cameron Diaz are up to. Uh, sure. Last time I watched any bit of Shrek was the last time I watched I Am Legend. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Uh, movie called I'm um, looking forward. This is part of the LA Muse section, um, which is definitely more LA centric mm-hmm. than uh, Independence Day. Although yeah. the LA explosion in Independence Day is the one where Vivica Fox and the dog hide in the tunnel, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's memorable to me. Sure. The dog gets saved. Yeah, the dog should die, but sure. No, the dog should live. Dog should always live. <laughs> um, oh, poor I Am Legend. 
That's Will Smith's character's name, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Girl Flu, directed by Dory Barton. Uh, Bird is mature for her age, a thoughtful sixth grader who dreams of doing the grocery shopping so that all food groups are represented, but whose emotional wisdom starts to slip when her body begins to develop. After her first period arrives in an embarrassing public way, an embarrassingly public way, Bird turns to her single mother for guidance. However, her mom is a flighty stoner who finds this milestone just as befuddling as her young daughter. Already frustrated by the recent move to Echo Park from the Valley, Bird wishes everything would start making sense again. That sounds good. That does sound good. Yeah, that's why I picked it to, to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and it is a, uh, it's an LA movie, although I am a bit, there's a bit of a, uh, hesitation, uh, about, um, a recent move to Echo Park and it being a white family. It seems like it's, uh, mm-hmm. another gentrification movie. Two years ago, there was a movie called Echo Park that played there, um, that I, uh, thought was, uh, abhorrent and, oh, okay. it, and it, it just, it was two years ago and it just got an actual release. Um, and I, didn't recommend anyone go see it because I hated it, <laughs> but it was that kind of movie. One thing that I find really interesting about, and I think I mentioned this to you years ago, but it's, it's nice that it's, uh, you know, consistently true. Um, it's like, all right, guys, we're making a coming of age movie. It's uh, what's the main character is it a girl. All right. Period. Is it a guy? Premature ejaculation. Got it. <laughs> Got it. This thing writes itself. Yeah. We need a nice shorthand here. Now, don't get me wrong, the movie sounds really good, but it's the first place my mind went. Yeah. Um, John Krasinski, uh, as a director, has a new movie uh, coming out called The Howlers. It's playing there. Um, are we moving on from that? We are moving on. <laughs> I didn't see, what was the last one he did? Uh, Brief Conversations with uh, Hideous, Hideous Men? Men? Is yeah, that what it is? I think so. Um, I did not see that. I don't care for that title. Why not? Because I feel like he's trying to like prove, uh, just the idea of like, I don't like long sentence titles. For the most part. See, I'm a big fan of... Uh, I really want to see this uh, 13 Conversations with Hideous Men Who Stare at Goats. <laughs> or, I learned, or how I learned to stop worrying. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you got to vamp more because... Uh, oh, sorry. Sometimes this uh, tablet is a little slow to load. Oh. Um, the House on Coco Road, a documentary directed by Damani Baker, uh, running a cool 78 minutes. Nice. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, in the midst of the racial violence sparked by Reagan's war on drugs, leading a normal life had become unfeasible for many citizens of Oakland, California. In a moment of inspiration, activist and teacher Fanny Houghton decided to show her children a different way of life. She and her children moved to the island nation of Grenada to participate in an Afrocentric revolution with the goal of realizing a utopia, utopian, this is utopic, socialist society. But in Grenada, a U.S. military invasion threatened their safety and dreams. So that sounds interesting to me about a family who left um, federal government intrusion in one part of the, the the country and went to a different part of the world where the U.S. government terrorized them again. It's like Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> yeah. That's the house on Coco Road. Uh, here's one I clicked on 100% just because of the picture. Uh, the picture is Idris Elba in a touch in a tux, looking very cool. Yeah, it's called Hundred Streets, directed by Jim O'Hanlon. Uh, multi-stranded drama. I'm out. It's set within one specific area of contemporary London. The cast of characters face major choices and changes in their separate lives. All right. <laughs> Just oh man, losing that consciousness as yeah. Oh, that lost me quick. Uh, I mentioned Independence Day. Uh, Life Animated is playing, which is a movie that I've already talked about in the oh, movie right. journal, which yeah. is a. Uh, 
about the uh, young autistic man who um, learned to, or I guess as a boy, learned to communicate again through uh, Disney movies, anim- animated nice. Disney movies. Uh, it's a very charming documentary. Um, they're also showing Lights Out, the new horror movie, which I saw um, uh, the panel for at WonderCon. Um, it looks very cool. Oh, wait, no, I can, okay, I was like, it sounds familiar. I can picture the trailer, and it's, uh... Scary. Super creepy. Yeah. Makes me afraid of, I haven't uh, turned the lights out in, like, weeks. So it's uh, really screwing up our electricity bill. Um, here's another, uh, sort of, um, it's called Low Riders. It's another sort of, uh, thriller, uh, with a minority cast. It seems to be a big, what was it, 1155 and Desierto. There seems Mm -hmm. to be a lot of Latin American representation in... Uh, genre movies here. Uh, uh, Lowrider directed by Ricardo de Montrui, I think. Uh, where teenage Danny is from, Lowrider culture is about more than just spectacular cars. It's about ethnic heritage, community expression, and family traditions. When an annual Lowrider event forces him to choose between his traditional father and his estranged criminal brother, Danny's loyalties are severely tested. The father is played by Damien Bashir. Oh, okay. The criminal brother is played by Theo Rossi. Rossi? I feel like he was on Sons of Anarchy, maybe. Okay, the name sounds familiar. I can't place it though. I could be I could be wrong about uh, where I know that name from. Oh, he's on the movie of. Oh, go ahead. My concern uh, about a movie like that is that you know it, that's a that's a subculture I know nothing about, and it sounds really right. interesting to me. But it also sounds like they're taking something that's interesting and injecting a really conventional story. But sometimes that's enough. To sometimes me. that's enough. You know, just a, just a new setting for a conventional yeah. story is. Is interesting, yeah. To me, I guess that's you know? true. Or, or just a new twist, you know. Like, um, obvious child is a pretty standard romantic comedy, but it also has this abortion plot, and that. Yeah. So, just like changing one thing is can sometimes inject a lot of freshness into the whole thing. I guess that's true. Um, all right, another um, another L.A. Muse movie, also directed by a woman, uh, Heidi Saman, is called Namor. Stephen Bassam spends his evenings in an upscale restaurant among the nouveau riche elite, but he's not there to dine. He's there to park cars. And all but an invisible valet, Stephen is acutely aware of his dead-end situation and begins to act out erratically. As the bonds of his once tightly-knit Arab-American family erode, Stephen acts out in increasingly erratic ways, okay, uh, and struggles to figure out who he is and what he ought to be doing. Um, that sounds good. Um, I would have, if I were an editor, I would have, uh, encouraged that person to not use the word words acting out and erratic two sentences in a row. Yeah. Uh, see, I think they should have swa- swapped oh. out that second one for erotic. There you go. Uh, I skipped over one actually, because it's another documentary I've already seen and talked about in a movie journal. It's the music of strangers, which right. is the documentary about, uh, Yo-Yo Ma and the Silk Road ensemble, which I just saw a trailer for, uh, the other day. Um, you saw it before last days in the desert. That's so right. did I, and uh, it looks really good. It's, the music's great. It's fun to look at. It's kind of a lightweight documentary. Uh, that yes, that's true. It did look like that. It I'm saying like that because someone who's seen it. It looked like a, uh, a a very a perfectly pleasant film that you're not going to take much from. Yeah. All right. Here's one that I probably won't see. Yeah, yeah. I could see in your face you looked a little bit disgusted. But it's this one's going to have its fans. Okay. It's called Officer Down. But its last name is Down, D-O-W-N-E. Okay. It stars, speaking of Sons of Anarchy, it stars Kim Coates. Okay. A young rookie cop is tasked with shadowing Officer Down, an LAPD cop waging a war to clean up the streets of Los Angeles. Officer Down's foes comprise a cadre of supervillains, including the criminal syndicate of humanoid beasts dubbed the Fortune 500, 
Mother Supreme and her gun-toting nuns, and Kung Fu Overlord, Zen Master Flash. The rookie soon learns that you can't keep a good cop down, as Officer Down takes a licking and keeps on ticking. I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm I, torn. Yeah, it kind of seems like a like a more hyper violent, big trouble in Little China type of thing, maybe. Yeah, but I don't like the hyper violent. Building a movie around Kim Coates is kind and, of interesting to me. See, that's kind of a turn. I'm not a Kim Coates fan. He's an odd duck. Um, I think what throws me is just it's like it's like oh, it's, uh, violent nuns. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen stuff like that for the last, I'm going to say, 30 to 40 years. Uh, it doesn't seem that exciting anymore. Um, but I'm, in, you know, I'm intrigued. It'd be funny if it wound up being like a weird, almost a parody of Training Day, but like it incorporates supervillains into it. But I don't know. You should see it and let me know. Okay. Uh, I am interested to see a movie called Painted Black, not just because it's named after a um, Rolling Stones song. Um, but it's direct directorial debut of actor or actress Amber Tamblin, um, okay. starring Janet McTeer, uh, Aaliyah Shawcat, who is great in everything has yeah. never been bad in anything ever, even in bad movies. She's uh, wonderful. And Alfred Molina among others. Nice. Uh, Josie is a young woman struggling to co- cope with the tragic death of her boyfriend in the aftermath of his death. She finds herself both repealed and attracted to his pianist mother, Meredith, who holds Josie responsible for her son's passing. The two women are drawn into a twisted relationship, raging with equal parts distrust and blind need as they become consumed with each other while trying to navigate life without the one they love. Sounds cool. And again, great cast. Yeah. You know, you know what I think about when actors direct. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do know what you mean. That, that is, that could be a problem. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, some of the best movies uh, ever made have been directed by uh, actors. Mm-hmm. So uh, I could be wrong. All right. Uh, Political Animals is a documentary uh, directed by Jonah Markowitz and Tracy Wares about Sheila Cool, who is the first openly gay uh, congresswoman in the state of California. Okay. Sounds good. Um, Sensitivity Training. Okay. Directed by Melissa Fennell. Rude, crude, and unapologetic, microbiologist Dr. Serena Wolf didn't get to where she is by playing nice. When a colleague's untimely demise is attributed to Dr. Wolf's ferocious abrasiveness, she's ordered to undergo an attitude adjustment, courtesy of perpetually chipper sensitivity coach Caroline. With Caroline shadowing soon as every move, they develop an unexpected bond, each challenging the other's defenses. Who's in this? Um, I don't know. Nobody of, of note? Uh, yeah, no names. I no recognize. offense to, to these actresses, obviously. I'm sure they're great, but uh, um, this doesn't sound great. No, to me. thank you. Um, sounds like a little bit like a trying too hard, uh, dark comedy. Yeah, I but, think so. Yeah, probably not that dark. Okay. Um, did I mention that Shrek is playing? Mm, I don't think so. Did I bring that up? Now that's the one where they ain't afraid of no ghost, right? Is mm-hmm. that the one? Yeah, that's the okay, one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, movie called So Be It, directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal. It doesn't say here uh, if he's uh, a relation to the famous Gyllenhaals. Stan, I, I could see that. I, I imagine it's not a, a coincidence. Um, but uh, I mostly bring it up because it stars uh, Alfie Woodard. Alfie oh, I love Woodard. her. Yeah. Uh, love and her. also the aforementioned on the movie journal, John Hurd. Yeah. Um, someone named Dash Mihawk. Oh, yeah, I know yeah, who that I is. Know, I know who that is. Uh, Cloris Leachman. Okay. This is, is a hell of a cast. Um, and uh, I don't know if you know who Jacinda Barrett is, but I know who Jacinda Barrett is. That name is. sounds familiar. Um, 
because she is a former real world cast member from the real world London. Okay. Uh, so this guy, Stephen Gyllenhaal, his, uh, he is, oh no, they're not married anymore, but, uh, he was married to Kathleen Mann. Uh, he was married to Naomi Foner and his children are indeed, yes, uh, Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, he's the father of them. Yes. Oh. Yes. Huh. I thought he was like a new up and coming, like a younger, the oh, younger the new, brother. Yeah, the new Gyllenhaal. No, he's, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the Sweet Life is a movie. Um, Zach and Cody. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, with, why do you know that reference? I don't know how I know that. <laughs> I used to close caption that show. Okay. Um, so I know more about it than I... The minute I said, like, I said, I was like, I don't know anything about that show. Yeah. I don't know who's on that show. Right. But that one is a pun. Okay. The sweet, as in like hotel suite life. Oh, I get This it. is just the regular, okay. what you see is what you get, the sweet life. I got it, got uh, it. Which I point out because it stars Chris Messina and Abigail Spencer, um, actors I really like. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I really like Christmas, Anna. Uh, Kenny is an ice cream vendor in Chicago with a crisp white uniform and an apathetic heart. When he encounters Lolita, a sharp-tongued but despondent insurance actuary, (laughs) that type again, uh, their heated conversation, natural spark, and mutual hopelessness lead to an unusual proposal for a meet-cute to travel to San Francisco while they will jump off the Golden Gate Bridge together. Um, That looks good. (laughs) Oh, listeners! If right. You, can only you see know dudes, something different yeah. than the listeners <laughs> yeah. do. I, I made a face. <laughs> uh, and all right, let me just uh, pick one more here. Um, and this one uh, also has distribution. I know from Brigade because I. Uh, By the way, it'd be funny. Not if- distribution, but it is a. Uh, Brigade, yeah, I think distribution because uh, I got an email from them. Go ahead. It'd be funny if you if the because you said you know you might might not wind up seeing everything that you want to see. Yeah. It'd be funny if everything you wound up seeing was the stuff that did not look good to you that you mentioned here. Yeah. yeah. I would love that. I think, you know, cause I hate you. Yeah. If I saw these cutesy dark comedies, Ugh. let's go right. jump off the golden gate. Look, I like no offense. Good for LA film fest for picking. it. I'm sure there's a reason they picked it. But uh-huh. at the same time, like, come on guys, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I'm free to say this cause I'm not going to go. Right. Uh, yeah. But like, yeah, it sounds like a, all I can say is, come on. Sounds like a prequel to Wrist Cutters, a love story. Sure, which you and I saw. Did we see that together? Yeah, I believe okay. so. At that uh, cheap theater in Pasadena. Pasadena, yeah, that's right. Um, and then I want to uh, one more that uh, sounds good. It's called Track Town, co-directed by Jeremy Tyker and Alexi Pappas, and starring Alexi Pappas. Uh, also, Rachel Dratch is in it. Uh, 21-year-old Plum Marigold has lived her entire life surrounded by coaches, teammates, and fans as she trains to be an Olympic distance runner. Though she excels in her sport, she's always felt like an outsider, as her her schedule kept the normal life of boobs and boys at bay. (laughs) That all changes after Plum is ordered to take a day off from running to recover for the finals of the Olympic trials. Her forced downtime, including a surprise connection with a boy who works at at the bakery, sets her on a path where she can finally see the full picture one step at a time. So it sounds like it might be one of those all-in-one-day uh, movies that that can be hit or miss. Um, but the, yeah, those so those minute. are interesting. Are they her boobs? I'm guessing her diet and workout regimen has oh, okay. kept her from developing. Maybe okay, maybe I'm not sure. I don't know. It's an odd. I mean, don't get me wrong; it would catch my eye. But at the same time, like if I okay, let me let me put this out there. <laughs> if I was out there, like if I was a womanizer, and you were to describe me. Uh-huh. Like, you wouldn't describe, like, 
like uh like oh he's up to his neck uh in uh you know dicks and, and ladies well it's mine it's just mine right it first it first I off it should saying. be I singular it seems odd that like maybe it's more of an issue than uh than they're making it out to be yeah yeah it could be they're just trying to catch the eyeballs boobs and boys yeah hey those are two of my favorite things uh-huh. wait what <laughs> um so that's I mean, that. That was just a, a little uh, overview of the things that I'm excited about. I feel like we got some good conversation about it uh, uh, out of it. And I did. Um, I wasn't even really looking to do this, but I did to go back to something I said uh, early on. Um, the number of movies that I mentioned that are about people of color and or directed by women. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of them, uh, and yeah. I uh, I find that uh, really exciting. It's, as someone who is very motivated and inspired last year by uh, our friend Mariah's um, mm-hmm. uh, Year with Women uh, project, um, I've been noticing more of that yeah. that sort of thing, um, trying to keep an eye on who is making the movies that I'm seeing, you know? You know what's interesting for me, just as, you know, as I've developed as a, as a moviegoer, um, I recognize... By developed, you mean boobs. Yeah, boobs, boobs. And, <laughs> and, and my boys, you know. <laughs> Uh, oh, I have two sons. Did I not tell you that? <laughs> okay. Um, I thought you were talking about your testicles. <laughs> oh, I call them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, as, as I developed as a moviegoer, like I recognize that that I can be excited. I can be equally excited about like, oh, this is, you know, uh, more movies from female filmmakers or uh, more movies from, you know, other people of color, whatever you want to say. Um, I do find myself more inherently interested in like the movies by like uh, a Latino filmmaker or something Mm. like that or African-American or something. Um, It's not that I'm not interested in women, but that like, now here's the thing. If it's a Latino woman Uh or an African-American woman, I'm more interested. But while I recognize that the life of a woman is different than the life of a man, I do feel like if they're both white, culturally there'll be some okay. similarities whereas like like the the low rider thing it's like that's something i that is completely right foreign to me and that sounds exciting like i have it's literally it might be the only window i ever get into that subculture and so that sounds more interesting to me yeah i see i i, I don't know that it is obviously um, i don't have to choose yeah you don't have yeah that's that's the great thing is you don't have yeah. to choose uh and at la film fest you can choose all of these absolutely um or most of them um, I'm just I'm going to go for Independence Day and Ghostbusters and Shrek. You know, <laughs> Shrek. I like to, you know, um, maybe The Conjuring 2 and Lights Out. <laughs> sure. If you want to go indie. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I, and I don't know if I, I feel like in some ways a, a woman's story is different than a man's sure. in just as many ways as a as a minority story is different than a white person's. Maybe it's just you. Uh, we respond to different different things. I think one is. And obviously this is very reductive, but I feel like one is a noted shift in perspective. Like, let's go ahead and say that it's, uh, there's a movie by a Hispanic man about, uh, you know, some aspect of, of Latino culture. Uh-huh. Then there's a movie made by a white woman about, you know, let's say it's enough said my favorite movie of 2013. So right. clearly I'm not opposed to liking these, but I feel like one is a noted shift in perspective and the other is just a to me, just almost a, a whole other world. And so that to me is oh, more, is more intriguing, but mm-hmm. obviously uh, another perspective is always good. Yeah. But I think if it's something that catches my eye more, it's an opportunity to see something that I'm 
pretty much unfamiliar with in my everyday life. I like that. You know, and I'm married to a woman. I get it. Yeah, you know, you, know, you understand. Yeah, everything. you know, they turn into women and they get their periods. Right. You know, Boobs that's how and boys. Boobs and boys. That's what it's that's, all about. Yeah, that's, you can <laughs> boil down... <laughs> femininity yeah into boobs and boys it's like the writer of that synopsis read jen's uh, wedding vows you know <laughs> all right uh you can find us at battleship that's where um all my uh la film fest coverage will be we'll do a um wrap-up uh episode we need to schedule that by the way Indeed. um because i can't do it on that thursday um and uh we'll try i'm not sure um We'll try to get a guest. For, we usually have a guest when we do our, our wrap-ups. It's been Kyle Anderson um, in the past. Uh, I haven't talked to him. Tonight. I don't know if he's going. But uh, we'll find someone, hopefully, who was there and, and talk about the movies that we saw. Um, and that'll be more extensive, obviously, because we'll have seen movies by that just point. Just gra- grab a bunch of randoms. Okay. And just pull them on up to North Hills. Sure. And uh, we'll take turns. Um, all right. Uh, so that's a battle. That'll all be a battleship retention. All of the, uh, current stuff is there too. Uh, you can email us at David, at battleship retention or Tyler, at battleship retention, um, dot com. Obviously, uh, you can, uh, follow us on Twitter at, uh, well, what am I? I'm Davy. I'm at Davy pretension. I'm like forgetting, uh, Tyler, you are at Tyler pretension. That's correct. Um, you have another podcast. Well, now, you have your survivor podcast, but that's going on hiatus, I imagine. Uh, yeah, quite possibly per, uh, permanent hiatus, permanent uh, vacation. Yeah, exactly. For Aerosmith fans, um, <laughs> that, well, that's me. <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't even know that was an Aerosmith song, but it's sure. an Aerosmith album. Um, I think. Um, and but what? Uh, so what's going on at More Than One Lesson? Uh, we recently did an episode about Neil Blomkamp's uh, Chappie. Oh. Uh, with the companion film Pinocchio. That's a coincidence because just today I listened to the new mixtape by DeAntivore. I noticed that and I thought like, was he listening to my Chappie episode? And I was like, you know who I'm in the mood for <laughs> is this guy, uh, th- this couple who uh, are really annoying on screen. Are they? Uh, I haven't seen Chappie. Yeah. Uh, I have been on the fence about DeAntivore for uh, half a decade at this point. Okay. But I still Did today uh, help. I still like listening to everything they put out, okay. but I don't know if I could ever say I'm a fan. Yeah. I, I have a certain degree of admiration for Ninja and Yolandi. Uh-huh. Uh, Ninja especially. For, oh, is that also their names in the movie? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. like there, So much about their inclusion in the film is interesting to me uh-huh. uh, and kind of awesome, Yeah, except their characters and the way they're written. They play them perfectly fine, but it's just like, I... Yolandi's okay. Ninja, like the minute he opens his mouth, it's like, I, w- I know that Neil Blomkamp like makes really violent movies. I want this man to die in a, <laughs> a really violent way. Um, and, that's uh, funny. Spoilers, he makes it. Um, Neil Blomkamp, I guess, has a thing for rappers because, you know, he uh, wanted to cast Eminem in the lead in Elysium. I don't know if you heard about that. I didn't know that. That's um, that was, that was apparently Eminem was his first choice and, um, Eminem's oh, thing was, uh, he would only do it if it shot around the Detroit area. So he could be with his kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't do that. They did not. Um, and I think the same thing, like people want Eminem back because I think Eminem was pursued for Southpaw as well. Uh, before Jake Gyllenhaal. People want to see Eminem on screen. People want to cast him in things uh, since 8 Mile, but he's uh, seems like he's... Locked into Detroit? Or he could just, like, 
take or leave the acting thing, which I find sure. kind of interesting. Thought it was, I mean, I thought he was very good in eight mile. Like, yeah, but I like that. It's not his, he's like, yeah, I did it, but I'm a rapper. I don't need to act. I, I kind of like that, yeah, which is true enough. All right. This thing's uh, acting up. So, um, yeah, we'll leave it there. So chappy uh, chappy more than one lesson. My podcast, other podcasts is about, uh, television. Um, I literally don't remember what I'm watching this week. I know I'm supposed to watch something. Ah, oh, well, uh, I, watch this. Um, yeah, I'm supposed to watch, castle because it's the it's ending the series finale and i'm sure i picked something too i think the uh, season two last man under the finale i think that's what we're talking about okay so uh check that out thanks for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.